Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. So a new priesthood, we're going to look at four uh, areas of the new priesthood, starting with, number one, a new temple. So in Acts, we see that Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus, the royal high priest, ascended into heaven and took his place as the new uh, high priest of God's children, of God's people. The Bible teaches us that he ascended into heaven uh, at the right hand of God to make intercession uh, for his people. We'll get to that here in a few moments. But before he ascended, he, he gave some instructions uh, to his followers. And the instructions that he gave was to wait, to wait in Jerusalem until uh, the promise. Now, when he told them to wait uh, until the promise, basically what he was telling them to do is wait for a new temple to be constructed. And so they waited for about 10 days. The Bible teaches us that there was about 120 uh, in a prayer room uh, praying, seeking God, and then the Holy Spirit came in. The Holy Spirit came in. Uh, they, had, they experienced uh, cloven tongues of fire. Uh, there was quite a bit of a commotion to the point to where the outsiders, people on the outside of the prayer room, thought they were drunk. So we know that there was some type of commotion going on. Things was happening. Uh, and so what we have in that little story is a new temple being built. So when the Holy Ghost came into the earth uh, in the New Testament after Jesus ascended, that technically was the construction of a brand new temple. And this is why we say this. I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Uh, the first one is 1 Peter 2.5. It says, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the next one, 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So on that day, on the day, what we call the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came into the, into the, uh, into the prayer room and filled them, basically what was happening is they were becoming what? Temples. And when the Holy Spirit came into them, them as temples received the presence of the Lord, the indwelling Spirit of God Almighty. Because when you study out the temple in the Old Testament, it was always God's will for the presence of God to rest inside the temple. It was never God's will and it was never God's plan for there to be a separation between temple and his presence. So it makes sense that when the Spirit of God was going to come into the earth the presence of God, it had to come into a temple. But God didn't want his presence to be contained in a 
building. He wanted his presence contained in living beings, which became his children. So a new temple in the new order of priesthood is not a building, but it is God's children. So this place as a church is not where the Holy Spirit dwells. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit manifests. Sometimes the Holy Spirit moves. We come to a place like this, and at times we feel the Holy Spirit. Why, though? Because we have a whole bunch of temples inside this place. We have people that has come in who is the temple of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit resides, and we come together in a place like this, and we begin to feel the, our experience and feel the manifestation of the Spirit of God. You and I, you are the new temple of God. It's not in a building. You're special that way. Look at someone and say, I've always known you're special. You are special that way. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but for me, that kind of creates a responsibility. Now, in this, in this uh, scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, I didn't read it to you in its full context because I just wanted to get the principle here. If you was to read it in its full context, it's actually speaking against sexual immorality. And, uh, and Paul was trying to relate to the Corinthians that, hey, you know, you're, you're doing things with your body through sexual immorality, and, and this is uh, opposing you as the temple of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the new priesthood doesn't have to go to a temple to experience the presence of God. The new priesthood is the temple that has the presence of God. So number two, there's a new sacrifice. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures. The first one, Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Let's read another one, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So temple, priest, and sacrifice go hand in hand. If you have a temple that doesn't have a sacrifice, then you have a priest that is not doing his job that is not fulfilling the will of God. The work of a priest always, always, always involves sacrifice. There's no way around it. And so us, as a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, priests that, that are under the high priest Jesus Christ, we have to have a mindset and realize we also have a duty of sacrifice. 
Now, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice that leads us to salvation. But there's other areas of sacrifice that we have to remember to fulfill. And I just got through reading two scriptures that gives us some details. Uh, so three little types of sacrifice. Number one is praise. Just got through reading it. Uh, the video we watched uh, said it as well. It says, therefore, by him, by him, meaning through Christ, let us continually, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So in other words, when you don't feel like it, when circumstances isn't going your way, when things have not or are not happening uh, in a way that makes you feel blessed or feel good, you still offer God the sacrifice of praise. Because sometimes you don't feel like praising. Have you ever came here on a Sunday morning when the music sounded good, but yet you're like, I just wish they'd shut up? I have. <laughs> you're like, I don't feel like this today. I just want to get the message over with and go home. Right? Or maybe you're like, I didn't even want to come today. I wish I could have slept in to 11 o'clock. I don't know. But as priests, we don't base sacrifices off how we feel. Now, let, let's just kind of get into an Old Testament mindset. Can you imagine? Now, a priest's sacrifice was very important. It meant whether someone has access to God or not. It meant whether someone were forgiven of their sins or not. Now, can you imagine bringing a pure animal to a priest and the priest be like, I'm off the clock today. I just don't feel like it. You know, I, I had a bad night. I got, uh, uh, my, my wife put me in the doghouse, right? Can, can you imagine that? And then you're just like in limbo. You're like, I can't get forgiven today. No, it didn't work that way. A priest had to make the sacrifice whether they liked it or not. Whether they felt it or not, they had to make the sacrifice. So as a royal priesthood, we have to offer God the sacrifice of praise, period. The other one is the sacrifice of ministry. Verse 16 says, but do not forget to do good and to share. For with, sac or for with such, talking about these kind, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. In other words... We have to not only offer the sacrifice of praise, we have to be willing to offer the sacrifice of ministry. Because what is ministry? Ministry is servitude. It means to serve. When you're helping and you're sharing one, helping one another, sharing with one another, we are ministering. So as a priesthood, we don't only offer sacrifice to God for his presence, but we also offer the sacrifice of ministry to one another are to the world. Remember, the key term here is sacrifice. We have to be willing as priests to offer the sacrifice of ministry to one another even when we're having a bad day, even when we disagree with one another, even when someone's done something to irritate you. It's a part of our priesthood. 
we offer the sacrifice of ministry, the sacrifice of help. The third one, last one, is lifestyle. Jump in verses now, Romans 12.1, I beseech you, or I urge you, therefore, brothers or sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So in other words, we also must offer unto God a lifestyle that is holy, a lifestyle that is pleasing, a lifestyle that is commendable, a lifestyle that does not oppose the Word of God. It says it is our reasonable service. In other words, hey, Jesus died on the cross for him. It is reasonable that we just do some good things as the Bible says directs us to do. Does that make sense? It's, it's a reasonable, he died for us and we just got to be good for him. That makes sense, right? It's a, it's a reasonable service to be a, a, a living sacrifice. After all, we get to go to heaven. He died for us. We have access to God on earth. We have these promises and these blessings that is ours. It is a reasonable service to offer our lives as a living sacrifice unto God. In other words, the Ten Commandments is not too much to ask. It's a reasonable service. Amen? Amen. So the third new is a new priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are priests because of Jesus Christ is our high priest. Period. But here's a little kicker to go with that. Priest makes priest. Priest comes from priest. So you jump over into the Old Testament, Levitical priest, you had to be a Levite to be a priest. So a priest makes a priest. A priest becomes a priest from a priest. So under Jesus, there is a new development of priesthood. You're not born into it, you're saved into it. So technically... When you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Technically, what it could say is go therefore and make priests of all the nations. Because what is a disciple of Jesus Christ? Thank you. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a priest. How are you to become a priest? By being saved. So, there is a new development of a priesthood. And someone becomes a priest when we choose to go and be used by God to lead people to the love and the grace of of God Almighty. So God doesn't make priests. We make priests by leading people to God. 
and the priesthood grows. So as the priesthood grows, what else grows? Well, praise unto the Lord grows. Ministry to one another grows. A proper good lifestyle grows. Am I making, am I making sense? So under Jesus, because of Jesus, there is a new development of priesthood. Look at someone and say, go therefore and make priest of all the nations. Number four, the last one. I'm going to get you guys out of here early tonight. A new intercession. Romans 8, uh, 34 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now let's jump over to 1 Timothy 2.1. It says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men and women. So one of the duties of a priest is to go before the Lord on behalf of the people that he or she serves. A priest intercedes for their people. A priest stands in the gap for their people. A priest makes sacrifices for their people. The Bible teaches us Jesus the high priest makes the ultimate, made the ultimate sacrifice of death but he continues to make intercession for us. Right now, as we are speaking, the Bible teaches us that Christ makes intercession for us as our high priest. Now, this is another duty of a priest, is to make intercession for people. So one of our duties is to intercede for one another, is to pray for one another. But this isn't just giving a nice little prayer to God on behalf of another person. Lord, just bless Cain today. Thank you. Amen. That's, that's not interceding. Interceding is taking on the burden. It's taking up on the heart. It's putting yourself into their shoes. And on their behalf, you're crying out to God for their blessing. You're crying out to God for their deliverance. You're crying out to God for their needs. You're crying out to God for whatever circumstance that they're going through for it to become better, for their needs to be met, for their minds to be renewed for their hearts to be encouraged, for their bodies to be made well. It is having enough compassion that you put yourself into their situation and you call out to God for them on their behalf. It is not just offering a little nice lazy prayer. How would we like for Jesus to just offer a nice little lazy prayer to Father God on our behalf? I don't know about you. I don't, want him to, I don't want him to do that for me. I want him to go before God and remind God of my plan and my purpose. To go before God when I make mistakes 
concerning that he died for me and his blood covers me. I want him to take upon my burden. The Bible says that if we go to him, he will take upon our burden. And that is a part of his duty as a priest. So for us, it's not a as a, a royal priesthood, it's not a one and done. It's not, oh, bless your brother, bless your sister. It'll get better. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to go to people like that. Like, I'm, I'm funny anyway when it comes to having, asking people to pray for me. When I ask people to pray for me, it's because I know those people will intercede for me. And I have just a handful of people that I go to for prayer. Some of it has changed over the years because I've become disconnected. When I lived in Texas, uh, there was just one family. Now, they were radical. And some people loved them, and some people didn't like them. But I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I asked them to pray, they just wouldn't say a nice little cute prayer to God on my behalf. They would, they would go knocking on heaven's door for me. Sure enough. I hurt myself in Mexico. I tore an MCL. I made my leg look like an L. You know what that is? And I was suffering. And I told Lorana, I said, you call so-and-so and have them pray for me. Because I knew they would intercede. 30 minutes after I, I uh, told Lorana and she called them, like, my pain was probably like at an eight or nine. I mean, it was excruciating. It, it, I would say it dropped down to about a five or a six. It was tolerable. And I had 10 more days left on that mission trip. They went to God on my behalf. They interceded for me. And I was able to get through that mission trip and finish what I was there to do. But that's interceding. It's not just lazily saying a little prayer for somebody. And that's one of our duties as being a part of a new priesthood. And what's, what, what, what's interesting in that is you can be praying for somebody in, in, in that way and, and the Lord could, could, could lead you uh, to do a little bit more then pray for them. The Lord could lead you to do something nice. The Lord can lead you to, to go talk with them. The Lord could lead you to help them, whatever it might be. Or let's just say you're interceding for God's people in general. You're just praying for God's people, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Lord just drops somebody's face or somebody's circumstances in your heart and in your mind and you know you're to start calling their name out before God or you're to go to them. I remember years ago I was praying for a pastor that I, uh, I had preached at his church but he wasn't even there. His wife was there. Uh, so I didn't even meet him. Uh, met his wife. Uh, met, met some of the leaders there. But about a week or two after I was praying for them, uh, I mean after I preached, preached for him, uh, the Lord just his face, because I, I, you know, I saw a picture of him. I, I just seen a picture of him, and I knew his name, and I just started praying for him. The Lord gave me a word for him. I called him up. Second time, I, only, I, mean, I talked to him the very first time just to, to preach at his church, and he was going to be out of town, and I never talked with him since, and I called him again, and I gave him a word. 
Next thing I know, he's going out starting a new church somewhere. How did that happen? Because I was praying. The Lord put his face and his name in my spirit. I started interceding for him, not knowing anything about him. And then the Lord gave me a word for him. And after that word, he ended up doing something in ministry or, you know, doing something additional in ministry. So you just never know. that It's, it, it, it's, it's part of what we do. It, 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 it's kind of like get out of your own issue, you know, get away from your own issues. Just stop worrying about yourself. Stop praying just for your, 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 your issues. And that's one thing that interceding does. Interceding take, take, takes away the selfish prayers and turns our prayers into going, going before God on behalf of other people. And the Bible says it's better to give than it is to receive. I've had so many people say to me, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for. Well, I tell you what, stop worrying about you and start thinking about everybody you know in the church, and you can be praying for five hours and not even going to it knowing that you, you, you had a whole lot more to pray for than you ever even realized. Am I making sense? A, Roy, a new priesthood takes the burden of one another, and they go before the Lord on each other's behalf. Amen? So this makes really for a beautiful, powerful, effective uh, new type of people. We're not just disciples of Jesus Christ. We are priests of Jesus Christ, which means we have a responsibility. We have a duty. When I look at myself just as a disciple, I look at myself as someone just who just follows. I just follow and I do what I'm told to do. But when I look at myself as a priest... I look at myself as someone who has a whole lot more responsibility than just following the leader. I'm a big part of this game. I'm a first-string player. And I matter. I matter. My praise matters, right? My, my, my sacrifices unto the Lord matter. My ministry matters. Me going before the Lord interceding matters. I matter. I'm just not another number following the train of Jesus Christ, but I am a priest. I am an important part of his will and his plan. And that's not just me, that's you too. But do you view yourself as a priest? Or are you just a believer? Are you just a disciple? Are you just a churchgoer? I want to challenge you to look at yourself, possibly look at yourself more than you do. Consider yourself to be a priest of Almighty God. And you are called, you are valued, you are needed, you are effective if you follow the duties of a New Testament priest. Now, you can claim the title of a priest all day long, but if you don't fulfill the duties of a New Testament priest, priest, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change for you, and nothing's going to change for anybody else. There's some priests in the Old Testament that God had issues with because they carried the title, but they did not fulfill the duties. 
I want to encourage you. Embrace the title. Fulfill your duties. As a New Testament priest unto God. Because the world needs you. The church needs you. Amen? All right. Let me pray. End this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this series. Uh, enlightening, challenging, interesting, hopefully revelational for, uh, for us in the sense that we realize we're, we're, we're more than just a Christian, just more than just a believer, more than just a follower. But yet, we are actually priests. We have a job. We have a role. We have a purpose to fulfill. Let that, let that just drop deep into our hearts, deep into our spirits. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks. Thank you.